get in order to be the believers, the sons, the daughters, the Christians that God has called us to be, the, the ones who are um, following Christ, we really, we have to revisit this idea. And, and I, I want to I challenge you to think beyond the way you've thought in the past about this idea. And it's just a few little ideas. And I, so I gave, you, I gave you a handout. Actually, when, when you came in, somebody tried to give you one of these. If you didn't get one, you can just raise your hand and the ushers have one for you. Um, in all three services, I've sort of said this. It's like, why don't you take them when you come in? Like, there's people trying to give them to you, and you're like, no, I don't need that. No, no you need this. It's really good. It's really helpful. And so um, so just take it, and uh, and every time you come in, just just get one, and, and it, it'll kind of help you. And I, well, here's what I believe. My hope is that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about things I'm not even saying. That he's speaking specifically to you. That's really the only way this works. The only way it works well. If you're just taking everything I say at face value and you're not listening to what the Lord says to you, that's problematic. I don't think anybody should just believe the pastor. I think you have to have your own relationship with the Lord. You have to do your own study. You have to do your own wrestling. And you have to do your own learning. Does that make sense? Okay? All right, so I, 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 I think, here's what I think. Today is about an idea that you've heard before. But my dad, who is a great, he's a great dad, he, he says this. He says, you're never as free, sorry, Yes, you're never as, yeah, sorry, <laughs> third service. I'm just like, it's my, my mind kind of gets lost. If you're never as free as Jesus wants you to be. And you know why that is? It's because he has more than you can ever imagine. More in mind for you. He wants freedom for you that you, you can't even really get until you get a new body and he returns, and you're like, he takes control over everything. When that day happens, your eyes will be opened, everything will be obvious. But until that day, as we live in this body, there is progressive revelation about who he is and what he's doing. And we're learning and growing, and there is no end to it. And so, so I want you to think, I want you to let that happen to you as we talk about this for a few minutes. Luke 11, it's right there in your notes. And this is Jesus, and I love this passage because it is one of the many, what we would call the Trinitarian passages. Trinitarian is a big theological word that means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, are reflected here. It's Jesus who's speaking. He's talking about the Father, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And all three of them are here, and he's trying to help us, trying to help his disciples understand how a relationship with him works. He's trying to help them understand how to relate to their father, their heavenly father. He's trying to help them understand how to see him, who he is as the son. And he's try to, trying to help them to receive and embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what this verse is about. There is an expression in God, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it, He is a relational being. He has re related to Himself. He it lives in a mutual self-giving and self-loving and, and, and serving relationship. And here's the good news, He's invited you into that relationship. You and me. And so here it is. 
Let's pray before we read it. Father, open our eyes, open our ears, help our hearts to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, give us grace to be able to walk it out. Thank you for this. Amen. Jesus says, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he will give him a scorpion? My wife is deathly afraid of scorpions. I mean, she freaks out about, even the little tiny ones, like little tiny scorpion that we, it's like, oh, there's a scorpion. I'm like, babe, just step on it. <laughs> just step on it. Um, there's something here that Jesus is asking. It's a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question. It means it, the answer is obvious. As a father, you don't say, Dad, can I have an egg to eat? Oh, here's a scorpion. Let it poison you. It's, it's, it doesn't, that doesn't make sense. He's saying, he's, it's a rhetorical question, and he says, if you ask for a fish or an egg, he won't give you a, a snake or a scorpion. He says, verse 13, if you then, though you are evil. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for the encouragement. If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? Everybody say more. more. There is a, an idea here that we have to see and embrace. I love my kids. I've had five kids. My oldest is in college. My youngest is seven years old. So our house is chaos and noisy and we're tired. But I love my children. And I remember when the last one was born that, that I, got to, I got to receive him, right? And, and, and as, well, my wife is the one who had him. I was there kind of helping uh, in some small and insignificant way. <laughs> no matter how much I try to help, it just seemed like it never worked out. But but he she she's pushing him out and she pushes him out and I get to catch him and it's incredible this this mess of flesh and bone and I cry my eyes out. I'm like, oh this is such a miracle. Every one of them I bawled like a baby. And I remember on the last one, I cut the umbilical cord and I take the baby and I, I, I take him over to the scale that's right there. And, and the doctor, I remember the doctor saying as I'm holding him, he's like, whoa, that's, that's a little bigger than we thought he was going to be. And I lay him down on the scale and I remember the little digital numbers. As I laid him on the scale, let it go, and the digital numbers kind of 10.05. My wife is amazing. He came out sideways. She didn't cry or nothing. <laughs> it's a bad movie. Don't go watch that movie. There's something that is in the human heart, in the way we function. As I received those kids, it was like my heart was instantly attached. 
This person that could not do anything for me or give me anything, my heart was attached to it. I love them. I want the best for them. I want them to have stuff that I didn't have. I want to ruin them by spoiling them, right? It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. I have to, I have to be careful of that because I love them so much and I've got to take them through a process, right? I've got to, I've got to help them understand uh, who they really are, but I, I love them. I'm instantly attached. I don't know what this is, but it's a human experience. And Jesus is tapping into that and he's saying, look, if you're, if you're evil and evil lives in you in the massive imperfections of your, of, of your culture and of your humanness, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? And what he says right here is give the gift of the Holy Spirit, who I believe is the secret to all, the, all, all of his gifts he wants to give. How much more then will he give you this incredible gift? How much more will he do for you? How much more does he love you? You can't even understand it. Look, at, in, in the beginning of the chapter, at the beginning of chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, I should note that the disciples already knew how to pray. They knew the Jewish prayers. They, they knew how to engage in them. Jesus prayed in a different way. And they were saying, we want to pray like you pray. And so they said, teach us how to pray. And, and Jesus could have said, all right, when you pray, say, oh, creator of all heaven and earth. He could have said, oh, redeemer of all the earth, restorer of all things. He could have said, he could have used the unspeakable name of Yahweh. I know you haven't spoken it, but he wants to come near to you and relate to you. Call him Yahweh. He didn't didn't do that. He said, when you pray, I want you to say, our Father. Our Father. He was defining a relationship for them that signified protection and provision and authority and love and it was a relationship that Jesus was teaching his disciples to interact with and to pursue and and so as you go down in the chapter he says things like this he says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open there is something that we have to break through in believing that God will give us good gifts I don't know what this is Jesus had if you want to fill out your if you want to fill out your thing, number one is Jesus taught his disciples to pray to God as Father. As Father. Number two, the second part of the outline is Jesus had a meaningful, submitted, and loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Think about it. He was always disappearing away from the crowds to try and spend time with his Father. He wanted the same relate this same relationship for his disciples. You know, he prayed for his disciples in John 17. He said, Father, I want you to make them one like we are one. Us and them and them and us. He wanted the kind of oneness for them that he had with his father. It was a powerful oneness that gave him the ability and the security and the confidence to do all the things that God had called him to do. So he says, I only did, he only, I only do what my father tells me to do. I only say the things my father tells me to say. When we think about a submitted, 
loving, protective relationship with a father. In our culture, it is damaged. That image is so broken because of the cultural experience that we're living together. And so we have, we have a hard time even making this make sense because of our own experience. And so what we must do, what must happen is number two, is we must wipe the face of our father off of the face of God. We got, we got to... We got to wipe the face of our father when we look. When we think about God as a father, we got to wipe our dad's face off of him. Now, some of you are like, "Well, I don't want to do that. I had a good dad." Here's Jesus's point: if you had a, if you had a, 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 a father that was stuck, trapped within himself, didn't know how to communicate. If you had a dad that was consumed in addictions, or if you had a dad who just worked all the time and ignored you, if you had a dad that was very difficult to live with, it is mandatory. The, the word father has to be rediscovered in your vocabulary and in your experience with God. It has to be rediscovered. And I think Jesus in this passage is telling you how it happens. He wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is his presence and his power and his transformative work in your heart. But even if you're a good dad, even if you had a good dad, even if it's like, I, I love my dad, I was, was, you're going you're gonna to be ahead of the game, no doubt about it. But even your own earthly father is limited. He even, he, he has faults, he has failures, and the way he interacted with you, in, in, in almost, I mean, in every case, there was only one perfect person on the planet. His name was Jesus, and they killed him for it. <laughs> your dad has imperfections that then you begin to interpret through the lens of your own experience to God. So even the people who have great relationships with their dad have to wipe his face off of, off of our Heavenly Father because it is limiting. None of us have perfect fathers. It can be challenging because it's our only reference point. But think about this. When you come to Christ, what happens? We say that you're born again. You're born into a new family. There's, there's another paradigm of fatherhood and family that, that we have to embrace. And so it may take time. I heard a guy say the other day, and, and that's where I kind of got this phrase. He was, he was talking about, he was teaching, and he said, he said I, it took me 30 years to wipe the face of God, my father off the face of God because my dad was so damaging to me as I, as I couldn't barely pray, Heavenly Father. It just didn't make sense to me because my only paradigm of dad was a violating, abusive person. For some of you, that doesn't get fixed like that. It doesn't happen just right here if I, if I pray for you, which we will. But, but let me tell you, you can enter into the process today. All these people that we worked with yesterday and we prayed for and taught and, and we spent time, you know, unburdening ourselves and unloading our, our bondages and things of our past yesterday during free weekend. It was a moment for freedom and a moment for a decision. But there, th th there's a journey here. Freedom isn't something that just happens in an instant because as we've been talking about through our whole series that we've just finished called Alive and Free, that freedom is not the absence of something but the presence of someone. And that means no matter what you face, no matter what's gone on in your history, no matter what's happening to your life, if you understand that the Holy Spirit is with you, in you, 
living and breathing through you, that, that freedom is available to you. And so we have to break the paradigm of value, the paradigm of performance that our Father gave us so we can accept the one that God wants to give us. And, and so his love, his, his value that he puts on us. God, and, and here's the thing, one of the phrases I think it's so that causes some problem is we've got like this thing, you know, God using me. I've prayed all my life. heard people pray all my life. God use me. Oh, can you use me? And there's something about this paradigm that actually says, I need to figure out how to be usable. And I, and I wish I could be more usable because in that prayer for me, I don't know about you, but for me, as I prayed that whole my life, it's like, yeah, I know I'm really flawed. I really have issues. I'm really, I got problems. And God, if you could just use me. Oh, help me, Lord. I, I want you to use me. As if that's so great. Could I suggest a subtle shift in our language that would help us emphasize the real way that God interacts with us? He doesn't think you're a tool. Our current culture and modern vocabulary, he's such a tool. Okay. God doesn't use people. Humans use people. People use people and misuse them. God works with people. I want you to get this, because this is a paradigm shift about what this relationship is like. This is an all-loving all-powerful God that is going to have his way in the earth. No doubt about it. He has a purpose. He has a plan. But he doesn't want to just use you. He wants you to work with him. God doesn't want to use us. He wants to restore the earth, restore your heart. He wants to restore others with you, with me. He, the Bible says that he, we're co-laborers with him. The Bible says that, we, that, we, that he wants us in a relationship where he walks alongside of us and empowers us. And he's, he's walking with us and, and, and inviting us into this relationship. And he's essentially inviting us into the family business of seeing people set free. He's inviting us into the family. He wants us to take it over someday in his kingdom here on earth. And we're, we're going we're gonna to work, work through him and work with him. And, and as we do that, he's, he loves us doing what he's doing. He loves us doing the very things that he's given us to do, but he's not just using you. He's there working with you. That emphasizes relationship as opposed to tool. Here, here's, a, here's a phrase. I'll, I'll let you go home with this. We don't have relationships with tools. Now, most of us. Some men have inordinate relationships with their tools. All right? they, 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 they're too close to them. It's turned into idolatry and they need to back away. You know, but, but, but for the most part, we don't have relationships with tools. We have a relationship with people. God has a, doesn't have a relationship with tools. He has a relationship with people. This is an important thing, as seeing him as father. We're not tools, we're sons, we're daughters. We're people he comes to work alongside with to accomplish his purpose. And number three, he wants us to receive the best gifts that he can give. Oh, I skipped one. Um, oh, did I skip one? No, no, I didn't skip one. Yeah, sorry. He, sorry, I can't remember which service I said what in. So number three, our heavenly father only gives good gifts. See, this is, why you, this is why you have to go beyond what your experience is. We have to receive this by revelation. We have to receive this by the work of the Spirit in us. 
our, our Heavenly Father only gives good gifts. And the Father's best gift, right, last fill in the blank, is the Holy Spirit. The Father's best gift is the Holy Spirit because he begins to dispense all the gifts that God has. And, he, and we don't see God like this sometimes because of our own experience. We think that the truth of our experience is greater than the truth of his word. We think that the way things are are really the way we've experienced them and it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what, what the Bible says. This is the way it really is. I want to challenge you to let go of that today and let God begin to reveal himself as a father in your life. You know, sometimes things go wrong in our lives and we don't know why. And then we blame God or we get mad at him. And we think, why, are you, why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this? And sometimes, make no mistake about it, it's the devil. It's the enemy of our souls trying to get in there and destroy you. And you're like, God, why didn't you protect me from this? Look, look. God wants to take every single thing that's happening in your life, whether it is from the source of his hand or from the, from the enemy, every single thing, he's going to take it and use it if you'll respond to him as a son or as a daughter and lovingly invite him into everything that's going on in your life. If you're willing to surrender to him as your father, he's going to work to make everything turn out well for you. But sometimes, right, we go through these seasons and it's very difficult. I, in my, with my kids, I would make my kids in, in their developing years as teenagers go out and work the lawn, mow the lawn, trim the, the, the hedges, make sure that, the, that everything looks nice and pretty. And they would be like, oh, dad, oh, no, do we have to today? Come on, you're so mean. This, you're trying to ruin my life. You're ruining my social life. Everybody's going to the pool. I've got to do what was I doing? Was I punishing them? Was I trying to ruin their life? No. I was trying to teach them responsibility. I was trying to encourage them to take ownership of the family. And I was trying to help them accept this sense of serving and, and how to be a mature person. I love it. Now, my, my Taylor is the one that I notice it most in, but it's happened in both the boys as they, okay, I ask them, come on, can you help me with the lawn today? Sure, Dad. Sure, Dad. It's happening. We misinterpret what's happening in our lives and we shake our fists at God. Look, he's a good heavenly father and it requires faith and it requires the Holy Spirit to believe that when other things around us begin to press in. And there's a whole theology here of suffering. I mean, there, there are hard things that people go through that are not fair within the earth. And, and, and the only solution for them is to surrender to a loving Heavenly Father that wants to heal, that wants to deliver. The only way they can deal with the pain of the violence that has been perpetrated against them is, is believing that there's a Heavenly Father that can touch them. And so would you... Would you be willing to ask this question? What, 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 does, what does God want to show me today in his nature as a father? What, what does he want to do in my life? Band, would you come back up? And I, I want you to ask this question. Would you be willing to receive his best gift? No matter what your context is about the Holy Spirit, no matter whether you have some history of uh, Holy Spirit's for weird people, or whether you, whether you think, oh, I already have the Holy Spirit, would you be willing to maybe let him work on you a little bit and, 
and exceed your current paradigm of what a loving Heavenly Father He is today? Would you be willing to open up your heart and, and let Him emphasize that truth today? We're going to pray for dads right here at the end of the service, but I'm going to, I'm going to have us just spend a little time here worshiping God and letting Him speak to you. Letting Him change your paradigm, letting Him change your focus, letting Him, letting him work in you so that you can trust Him. Some of you are afraid to trust him. Some of you are afraid to surrender. You're afraid of what it might do. Have faith today. He's a good heavenly father. He gives good gifts to his kids. Make that decision today. Father, help us as we, as we just sit here in your presence and kind of enter in. Would you teach us? Would you expand our view? Would you... Would you exceed our current paradigm? Break through it. Break through the barriers. Heal our hurts of the past and the wounds. Repair relationships that have been broken. Lord, do that right now with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you.